Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I present to you the 2021 Atlanta Falcons. What is up, divers? Welcome in to the Deep Dive Fantasy Football Podcast, where I take a deep analytical look at fantasy football and combine it with a common sense approach to lead us to some titles. I'm your host, Brandon Gabor, and before we get started, remember you can follow me on Twitter at DeepDiveFF, Instagram at DeepDiveFantasyFootball, and as always, check out the website, DeepDiveFantasyFootball.com, which is always popping during the offseason. With that being said, let's get to the content. What's up, divers? Welcome in to Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Today, we are going over the Atlanta Falcons. We've got two super hot names to discuss today in Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. I can't wait to get to this team, but first, we always have to start with the personnel changes. And a huge talking point on the Falcons today is going to be based off some things we've already spoken about, which is why I did the Titans right before the Falcons. Because now we have Arthur Smith, the offensive coordinator over the last two years from Tennessee, moving over to Atlanta as the head coach. That's a huge change. Coaching changes are always one of the biggest factors when it comes to projecting changes from one season to the next. They also traded away Julio Jones, as you all know, to said Tennessee Titans, and drafted Kyle Pitts to, in a sense, replace him, but not necessarily, because as we know, Kyle Pitts is a tight end. They also drafted some good stash sleepers, in my opinion, which we'll talk about one of them in specifics, with Javian Hawkins, the running back, and in super, super deep quarterback heavy leagues, Felipe Franks. Felipe Franks, just real quick to touch on him, is one of the sleeper quarterbacks that I liked in this draft if he landed in a opportunity or a position where he could possibly either win out like let's say the Eagles not saying that would happen right away but over time if Hurts ended up becoming bad or a place where somebody gets injured a lot then Felipe Franks was somebody I would keep in the back of my head for super deep leagues because he was somebody I thought showed some promise so with him being in Atlanta and them not having a quarterback to succeed behind Matt Ryan right now and to replace him Maybe if Matt Ryan gets hurt this year, Felipe Franks comes in, gets an opportunity, looks good. Maybe he is the person they decide to hand the keys over to in the future. It's a super deep shot. By no means am I saying it's going to happen. But for those 32-man leagues, like one that I've started, and some of you listening are probably in with me, that's a big deal. So Felipe Franks is somebody that you could just throw in to your taxi squad if you have a spot. Now, Javian Hawkins is the big one that I look at as a sleeper that we'll talk about later. But to continue with some personnel changes, they've also drafted a round two safety in Richie Grant. They lost Todd Gurley, but replaced him with Mike Davis on, get this, a two-year deal worth only $5.5 million, which we will also talk about in a little bit. Aside from the offensive skill players, though, this team is pretty similar, so we can go right into the trends and the history that helped me build these projections. By PFF, per PFF, this is the worst-ranked secondary in the NFL. They also have the 31st-ranked defensive line. So you're looking at almost two of the three position groups on defense between secondary, D-line, and linebacker core being the worst in the NFL. So mostly, this defense is horrible. They've got Grady Jarrett, which is awesome. They've got Deion Jones, which is awesome. Those are their dudes, but those dudes need some help. And Atlanta is not giving that to them right now. Atlanta averaged 1,042 plays over the last two seasons. 
Tennessee averaged 950 plays over the last two seasons. Granted, Tennessee likes to slow it down. They like to run the ball with Derrick Henry, which makes the clock tick. Atlanta's defense is worse than Tennessee's, so they're probably not going to be able to run the ball nearly as much as Tennessee did, even though Tennessee's defense was pretty bad themselves last year. Also, their run game is not nearly as good. They don't have an elite running back like Derrick Henry, so Atlanta is going to pass a lot more. Don't just take Arthur Smith and his tendencies from Tennessee and just copy-paste for Atlanta. It's going to be very different. The team is structured very differently. Atlanta, over the last two seasons, passed 62.5% of the time, ran 37.5% of the time, and if you remember from the last podcast, Tennessee was pretty much 50-50. Now, I do think that Arthur Arthur Smith is going to give Atlanta a better run game, and he's going to try to bring that pass-run ratio a little bit more to even. So I'm taking it from 62.5 pass rate to 60 pass rate, and then 40% run rate, obviously, to add up to 100 for my math wizards. So with the play total of 1,083 plays, that would be their average from the last two years extended over a 17th game. If you give them that 60% pass rate that we've talked about, that's 649 passes. The 40% for the run becomes 434 runs. So now that we have that established, we have how many plays from each type of offensive scheme or offensive structure, whatever, pass run. Now that we have that established, Matt Ryan is going to be the person we start with, as always, quarterback, and then we build everything off the quarterback. Quarterback is the foundation. With that said, Matt Ryan, 671 passes, or excuse me, 649 passes to work with, usually has around 100 to 150 rushing yards. So I have him just around that. Also pulls in a couple touchdowns. But we've got a tiny tick of upside here because Ryan Tannehill was pretty good with rushing touchdowns. So it's possible that Arthur Smith tells Matt Ryan, hey, maybe run it in a little bit more, right? So that's one thing for Matt Ryan is the rushing. Now let's look at his passing. And a lot of you may think, all right, Arthur Smith coming into Atlanta, that's a coaching upgrade. Matt Ryan should see efficiency bumps. But Offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter, who is with Matt Ryan or was with Matt Ryan last year, was a pretty good offensive coordinator. He was good with Tampa before becoming the head coach, and he was pretty decent with Matt Ryan as well. So I don't expect a huge coaching upgrade for the purposes of Matt Ryan's efficiency stats. So don't expect significance in that area. He also lost all pro Julio Jones. This is going to make it way less likely that he can improve on his efficiency numbers compared to last year. Plus, last year's completion percentage was the lowest in his past three. So for me to say, hey, his efficiency might get even worse, even though last year was the worst in three, you may be questioning me. So what is my evidence to put forth for you guys? He should be able to aggress positively to the mean is what you're thinking. But get this, Matt Ryan tends to struggle in his first year with offensive coordinator, and I'm sure most of you guys know this already. Over the past six, seven years, every single year that Matt Ryan got a new offensive coordinator, his completion rate dropped, touchdown rate dropped, yards per completion dropped, all three every time. Now, when he got the second year going with the offensive coordinator, the same one that he just had a bad year with, he got a lot better. So this is going to be that first year with a new offensive system, a new scheme, a new offensive coordinator. So expect struggling for that reason. 
And let's look at his numbers over the course of the season and then his numbers when Julio Jones was off the field. Over the course of the entire season, so this is the games that Julio played in and did not play in, Matt Ryan's average completion rate was 65%. If you just take the games without Julio, it drops to 63 His average touchdown rate over the season was 42 If you take out the games that Julio played, it drops to 36 And lastly, over the course of the season, an 11.3 yards per completion. Take out Julio and just look at those seven games without him, and it's a 10.9 yards per completion. So every single metric got worse, obviously, with Julio Jones off the field. And this is where I always get my sentiment of, hey, when we get new receivers for a quarterback and we're doing projections, his efficiency is probably going to go up. That's kind of where all of this stuff starts. Obviously, we've seen the effect if that's something we're going to be projecting for the other teams on the opposite side of the said effect, right? So we've got the first year with a new offense and Julio Jones being gone. Now, I know Kyle Pitts is here. And some may say, hey, he's going to be amazing, game-changing, which I do believe. But he's not going to have the effect, especially early on in his career as Julio Jones, right? So with all of that said, I'm going to hold his completion percentage where it was without Julio Jones on the field. That's 63%. I'm going to bump his touchdown rate because Pitts is going to be a good red zone threat no matter if he does pick up the offense quick and learns quick as a rookie tight end or not. He's going to be a good red zone threat regardless. Plus, maybe Arthur Smith can establish a halfway decent run game, unlike last year, that Atlanta had to take pressure off of the pass, despite having no Derrick Henry and just having some okay running backs, which we'll talk about in a second. Kyle Pitts, like I said, don't expect a huge impact year one, and the purpose of Matt Ryan being really, really good. Now, I do think Pitts is going to be really good. The offensive line also is not significantly better. I haven't said much on the offensive line. It's pretty much status quo, so that's pretty much why I haven't said anything. And for yards yards per completion, Matt Ryan should hover in the high 10s, low 11s. And that's where he was at all season last year. Without Julio, remember, high 10s, 10.9. And over the whole season, with and without Julio, it's 11.3, low 11. So he's probably still going to be in that range. Now let's move over to Calvin Ridley, the guy that so many people are ready to crown as a top five wide receiver for dynasty and possibly a wide receiver one this year in redraft what are my thoughts let's find out seven games without julio jones last year in those seven games calvin ridley had 19.8 points per game that's elite and a 29 percent target share that is also elite over the last two years in games without julio Ridley had a minimum nine targets in every single game. Now, Kyle Pitts has been added, so that should make some impact, but I don't think it's going to be to the point where Ridley's really losing out because Ridley's already an elite option, and Pitts is, if anything, going to take Ridley, or sorry, Julio's targets, and then maybe a little bit more from here and there. And Let's be real. He's a tight end. He's not going to take more than what Julio had. If anything, there's going to be more left over. That might go to Ridley. So keep that in mind. I'm dropping Calvin Ridley regardless because 29% target share is, unless you're DeAndre Hopkins or Antonio Brown, basically like completely obnoxious to project for somebody. So And actually Keenan Allen as well. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to project him to just keep that 29% with Pitts here. Now, I think that's going to go down a little bit. But just know, Ridley's 
percentage of targets was great with and without Julio. He actually out-targeted Julio Jones when they were both healthy and both on the field, which a lot of people don't seem to recognize. And that was something I also mentioned on the Tennessee Titans podcast, because a lot of people think Julio Jones, like I would say 35-40% of people, think Julio Jones is going to do better than A.J. Brown. That's a big no from me. But getting back to Calvin Ridley, don't think for a second that he cannot handle being the number one. I've seen some people with doubts. They say Juju Smith-Schuster was supposed to have that huge jump. And hey, I thought it was going to happen too when Antonio Brown left. But he couldn't handle being the number one. That's not going to be the case with Ridley because we've seen, I believe, nine total games, seven last year, but I think nine total games where he was the number one and Julio Jones was not playing. And every single time, he gets at least nine targets, like we've said. And every single time, he's been great for fantasy. So don't for a second believe he's going to all of a sudden just bust. You don't believe me still? Well, here's some numbers for you. Without Julio Jones, his catch rate was 63%. His yards per reception was 15.3. And his touchdown share of the offense was 27%. That is his exact average over the whole season. That means being the number one did not affect him at all. His efficiency, drawing number one coverage, did not affect or change anything compared to when Julio Jones was on the field other than the touchdown rate. And that was very minuscule. And it's basically because Matt Ryan was throwing less touchdowns when Julio Jones was off the field. I honestly believe Calvin Ridley is going to rival Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams for the biggest target share in the league this year. 27.5, like I said, I only ever project like 29 or 30 for Antonio Brown when he was dominating DeAndre Hopkins when he was in Houston. It's going to be tough for him to pull in a target share like that with Kyler Murray. And now Keenan Allen, because of Something we'll talk about when we project the Chargers. But, you know, they've lost some people, and Keenan Allen was a huge target for Herbert. So, with that said, Ridley's pretty much set to be an absolute beast for fantasy. And one last amazing stat to cap it off. Calvin Ridley, if you took his seven games and extended it over a 17-game season last year, the seven games without Julio Jones, that would be 191 targets, 121 receptions, 1,857 yards in seven touchdowns. That is basically the season that Julio Jones had where him and A.B. both went over 1,800 yards and they were both absolutely insane. That's what Ridley was on pace for last year without Julio Jones. So just keep that in mind as well. He is probably a locked-in top five redraft wide receiver, so I do agree with that sentiment. And wide receiver one, we'll see because A.J. Brown is right there neck and neck, and we also have yet to project some other stud receivers. So I don't know about that one, but he's definitely up there. Now let's move to Russell Gage, somebody a lot of people are starting to cause the ADP to rise. He's getting picked earlier and earlier and earlier because everyone's looking at this guy as a sleeper. He's not going to be a sleeper for long. 17% target share last year without Julio Jones. The tight ends, though, they will pull in more targets this year than last year for multiple reasons. One is Arthur Smith coming over. With Arthur Smith coming over, the Titans were one of the top teams using tight ends and targeting tight ends. Well, he's going to bring a little bit of that over to Tennessee. Obviously, or I mean over to Atlanta. Obviously, that's true because they drafted Kyle Pitts instead of taking a possible franchise-changing quarterback. Thank God they did not in Justin Fields. As a Bucks fan, I would have cried but because I, I love Fields. I think he's going to be great. I wish he had a better coaching situation than he does in Chicago, but he does have some nice pieces in Chicago. 
But without getting off topic, Russell Gage, 17% target share without Julio. It's not going to be that high because Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst this year for Atlanta are better than Hayden Hurst and their second tight end from last year. So tight ends will pull in more targets because of talent and because of offensive system from Arthur Smith. So with that said, I have him at about a 15% target share, so I'm not really hurting him that much. And there has been talk about him getting deeper looks this year and hopefully unlocking that part of his game. He hasn't been used that way much. His yards per reception will increase because of that, but expect the catch rate to go down. Overall, the value of his targets should be more. Last thing, he's in a contract year. We all know the narrative, but if you look at the narrative, it's there for a reason. People tend to overperform or perform to their best in contract years, and that's what Russell Gage is going to try and do, especially with Julio Jones gone. He's looking at that wide receiver depth chart, and he's like, man, I can put up a sick year. This year, I can become the established wide receiver too with Calvin Ridley for years to come. We're both young. Let's do it. So he's going to be trying real hard. We'll see where that puts him in my rankings. Now let's talk about, finally, Kyle Pitts. Now, I talked about how Arthur Smith came over from the Titans, and they had a huge target share to the tight ends. What was that target share? Arthur Smith led the Titans to 28.6% of their targets to the tight ends. Now, this is a stat that I read in an article. I usually pull all my stats from doing math myself. So just to check, I did the math myself. Last year, it was 24%. So I'm not sure if the 28.6% is including non-accounted for targets. So this is something that a lot of people miss, and it's something I missed for the first two years of doing my projections, and I've recently stumbled upon. Not recently, two years ago, stumbled upon, because I'm in year four of projections. So just real quick, without getting on a soapbox, a lot of people that do projections don't realize something. Let's say Tom Brady, I always use my team for examples, let's say Tom Brady throws 600 passes, all right? If you added up the targets, on every single player on the Buccaneers team, it's not going to equal 700, even though Brady threw the ball 700 times. It's going to equal maybe seven, or sorry, six, 500, 570. I gave this example to my boy earlier today, and I used 700 as the example. That's why I just messed up right there with the numbers. But if he threw 600 and you added everything up, it would be probably about 570 for the whole team for targets. So what are the 30 targets that are not showing up anywhere statistically? Those 30 targets are not accounted for. Now, when I do my projections, I include that. I keep that in mind. A lot of people, when they say target share, they're pulling those out. If they pull those out, that target share is completely warped because those are passes the quarterback is throwing. And if you pull that out and say, hey, the tight ends pulled a 28.6 target share, and then somebody does projections like me, and doesn't realize what you did and just applies that, they're going to be giving way too many targets to that position. So just so you know, I am aware of that. Most people are not. You probably weren't. I wasn't for a while either. So no shame in the game. But 24% was the true number of targets for the tight ends last year in Tennessee. I expect a similar share to move over to Atlanta, but probably a bit more because the talent distribution is very different. When you have the Titans with Jonu Smith and Anthony Ferkser, that's not nearly as good as Kyle Pitts and Hayden Hurst. I would say Hayden Hurst is definitely better than Ferkser, and we all probably agree Pitts is better than Jonu. So compare that to what the Tennessee Titans had, and you're probably getting higher than 24%. So I'm projecting 28% 
to the tight ends, and Pitts is at 18 for me, and then about 10% for Hayden Hurst. It could be higher, for sure. It definitely could be. If you want to give Kyle Pitts a 21, 22% target share, you go for it, but that is a very risky endeavor right there. So I'm not doing that. I'm going with 18%. I think it's a good mix between, hey, it shows you what he can can do, part of his ceiling, but it also shows you, hey, let's tone it down a little bit. He's a rookie tight end, and we know what that means. So tight ends start slow. I'm not going to go crazy there. Hayden Hurst, I'll just give you the projection. He's not in my draft sheets if you go look for him because the numbers that he actually comes out with fantasy-wise are not good enough to be relevant, so I didn't even put him in there. But 14 percent target share last year like I said have him at about 10 percent now I don't think he was affected much or I know he wasn't affected much by Julio playing because I charted his games with and without Julio and not much changed so pretty much same same there now let's go to Mike Davis and Javian Hawkins because I gotta talk about my boy he was a sleeper for me and there's a possibility he beats out Mike Davis running backs pulled in about 18 percent of the targets last year most of those targets are probably going to go to Javian Hawkins and Mike Davis, mainly to Mike Davis, for sure. Mike Davis showed he can be a stable receiving back. He had over 70 targets last year in lieu of Christian McCaffrey in Carolina, so he was pretty good. He had a good catch rate, wasn't very explosive, never is, never does much with his touches. He's a very career inefficient type of person. Mike Davis averaged less than four yards per carry last year for the Panthers when McCaffrey averages way more than that and in the same situation so he's never been like a absolute stud running back or had a huge carry share anywhere his entire career for a reason yes he dominated touches when McCaffrey was out but he was signed as a backup player and that's the role he was playing so in no way do I feel super confident like some others do in saying Mike Davis is a stud running back this year and he's with Arthur Smith and Arthur Smith was with Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry dominated the touches is Mike Davis Derrick Henry last time I checked that's not true so Mike Davis I do think he's gonna do good and we're gonna talk about the total numbers in a second but he holds a lot of risk because it's possible my boy Javian Hawkins beats him out He's a great sleeper. He's a late round target that I'm trying to get everywhere, especially putting him in my taxi squad in dynasty drafts. Because like I said, Mike Davis has never been efficient, but not only that, he's not even invested, or the team has not even invested much in Mike Davis. $5 million over two years, that's $2.5 million per. That is absolutely nothing, nothing. So they have no real true reason to be committed to Mike Davis. Mike Davis and if Javian Hawkins shows promise get him on the field he's even cheaper you got him for three years I think three or two years and give him a shot too plus Mike Davis is not going to carry a Derrick Henry load he's not going to carry the type of load that you give to one running back and then the second running back gets no work so even if Mike Davis is the number one which is what I'm projecting Javian Hawkins will get some touches which will give him the opportunity to take over if he proves to be much more efficient and I love Hawkins go type in some highlights if you want to look I'm not going to give you like my whole scattering report on him because then you know things would take way too long I'd have to do that for all the rookies for all the teams so not going to do that. But with that said, what are the actual numbers? What do I have projected? So Matt Ryan, we're starting at the top. 649 passes. We talked about that. 409 completions. 
4,538 yards and 27 passing touchdowns. And then we talked about the rushing, 135 yards for two touchdowns is what I have exactly projected for him. Calvin Ridley, this man is a beast. By the way, Matt Ryan points per game, 18.4, just barely above Kirk Cousins. Calvin Ridley, I have 178 targets, just over 10 per game to him. And remember, every game without Julio Jones, he was at at minimum nine, at minimum. So Calvin Ridley, 178 targets, 112 receptions, 1,698 yards, and eight touchdowns. Russell Gage, 104 targets, 64 receptions, 773 yards, and four touchdowns. For Calvin Ridley, my projection puts him at 19.4 points per game. That joins A.J. Brown at the top with a huge gap over Justin Jefferson. A.J. Brown is slightly above him at 19.7. Ridley right under at 19.4. The biggest difference being the touchdowns. I have A.J. Brown at 13, Calvin Ridley at 8. Calvin Ridley's done more than that in the touchdown category, but now becoming the number one and what we saw in the games without Julio, him getting less touchdowns, Matt Ryan not being nearly as good throwing touchdowns, I think it's possible that he's not going to be as good as he was in the touchdown category, but he's going to dominate in receptions, targets, and yards. A.J. Brown, however, is the opposite. He's not dominating. He's going to be very, very good in targets and yards and receptions this year, but he's not absolutely dominant at that. But he's more efficient per target, and like I said, one of the most efficient with Chris Godwin, and has a great chance at double-digit touchdowns in an offense that's probably going to go nuts this year. So that's the difference there. And then Russell Gage's projection put him at 9.7 points per game. He is in the area with Devonta Smith and Darnell Mooney, if you're trying to picture where he's at. Now, Mike Davis, I have at 68 targets, 55 receptions, 331 yards, two receiving touchdowns, 259 carries, 932 yards, and seven rushing touchdowns. That puts him at 13.8 points per game under Miles Sanders. Then there's a huge gap to to Tariq Cohen at about 9 or 10. I don't remember what I had him projected at, but there was a big gap there. So Davis is probably firm in that RB2 area, but it's going to be towards the back from what what I'm assuming my projections are going to look like for the rest of the teams. Now, Kyle Pitts, the one you're probably wondering about the most. What do my projections come out? Well, I have him... Pretty close to breaking some rookie tight end records. I wouldn't be surprised if he does. He definitely has a ceiling that is higher than what I have projected, but he also has a floor way lower than what I have projected. Kyle Pitts, I have him at 117 targets, 79 receptions, 1,033 yards, and 8 touchdowns. That puts him at 13.5 points per game. Right now, he's my tight end one. Obviously, that's not going to be the case when I do Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey, but Kyle Pitts and probably Kittle, but maybe not. Depends if Trey Lance starts the whole season or not. Kyle Pitts at 13.5 points per game is a tick, a small tick above Dallas Goddard. But I would draft Dallas Goddard first because Kyle Pitts may have a much higher reward factor and he might do way better and have a better ceiling, but he also has way higher risk. And you have to factor in what's the value where these guys are getting picked. By the time we get to redraft season, Kyle Pitts is probably going to be two rounds ahead of Dallas Goddard in ADP. That's a big difference. So I'm not only taking Goddard because he's way less risky and has a much higher floor and a similar ceiling, but definitely lower than that of Pitts, but also because he's going to be a better value. 
with that said, that wraps up the projections. I'm not, like I said, I didn't plug in Hayden Hurst and Javian Hawkins. I can give you my stat projections for him, I guess, but no fantasy projection because it's so low. But for Javian Hawkins, real quick, I have 371 yards, two touchdowns. And then Hayden Hurst, I have 38 receptions, 380 yards, three touchdowns. So I did project them, but I didn't feel like mentioning them for fantasy because it's going to be so low, you're not going to be drafting them. But remember, in Dynasty, Javion Hawkins, take a shot at him to the end of the be- end of the bench. And in super deep, super deep redraft, you can add Javion Hawkins too, especially if he goes ZRRB, which hopefully if you're listening to me and my podcasts, you're not doing. But if you do, Javion Hawkins should definitely be on your roster if it's a deeper league. With that said, thanks guys for tuning in. Thanks for listening to another episode of Deep Dive Fantasy Football. Continue to listen write reviews, drop ratings, and hit me up on all social media. I love interacting with you guys. Keeps me motivated, keeps me engaged. And with that said, have a good one. Peace.